Gaming NBS episode 145. Welcome to Gaming NBS episode 145. I didn't think we'd get this fucking thing off the ground, Brett. <laughs> it's just interesting that you actually start cussing before I do. That means we had technical problems. That's what that means. But hey, we're here. We're back. And I made it back from Origins all in one piece. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, you were at Origins. <laughs> yes, indeed, I was. I got to, I met a ton of really cool people. I mean, the misdirected marker was there. Angela was there. Um, let's see. Bunch of people I met from Buffalo Queen City Conquest last year. I mean, Nikki was there. Tom Flanagan, Nights of Night was there. Tom's brother, Mike, wasn't able to make it. Um, uh, medical issue. and But Chris, Phil, uh, Senda, it's just uh, GM Gerrymander. Oh, my God, the list goes on and on. Oh, um, Stefan Dragonspawn and Eric Lamoureux made it. That was really cool. Got a chance to hang out with them. Um, Kevin, Austin, and Wayne, Star Wars Man, Homefleet. And I uh, did the road trip down. We took two separate cars and uh, did the uh, room together in hotel thing. It was a blast. We had a really, really good time. So. Tons of fun. <laughs> I even got to stop to BS with Ken High a little bit. I'd say between Gen Con and Origins, I will take Origins at this point. It's big, but I can get around in it. I don't feel so cramped. I was able to get plenty of open tables when we wanted to do off-cycle gaming stuff. I ran a Streets of Avalon game for uh, Angela, Jerry, Rose, Chris, different Chris than uh, Sneezak. And uh, it was just a lot, a lot of fun. And um, I ho- I'm hoping I can go back next year. So hopefully these stars will line and it will work out. I um, I would be interested to find out what their numbers were. I don't know what they pull in. Do they pull in thirty thousand? I don't know. I should. I uh, I never. I didn't actually ask her. Look, a couple interesting things about or oh, one thing I should mention. There was another Angela. She's an avid listener of the show. Big fan. Uh, Tom and I were walking over to North Market uh, to get some lunch, and I hear my name, and I turn, and I'm like, was that you? And Tom goes, no, it's her. And I said, hi, and she goes, I recognize your voice. You're Brett from Gaming BS. I'm like, oh, my God, that's that's neat. Holy cow. And her tag was turned over, so I said, okay, obviously you know who I am. Who are you? She said, I'm Angela. She flipped her tag over. I only saw her first name, and she said, I'm not the famous Angela. I said, well, you will be now. How about that? <laughs> so they're Angela, whose last name I... I forgot. It was really cool. So I had some gaming BS buttons on me. I was giving out to people who, who recognized or, <coughs> excuse me, stopped me to talk. So I handed some of those out. So I got her a couple of those and she was super pleasant. Everybody I met there was incredibly nice. Um, I had a good chance to hang out with uh, Stefan and Eric, Wayne and I hung out, got pizza, beer. It was, it was a blast. Uh, JJ Lanza, who I've met through Phil. Good God. I'm, I'm positive I've met other, and I know I saw other people, met other people, really cool folks, and I'm not going to be able to remember everybody, but uh, everyone I did run into made the convention a lot, a lot of fun. So it was really cool. Yeah, and you ran, nice. a, you ran a game, Brett, which you rarely do at a con. And I played a game, too. I played Knights Black Agents with Chris, which is a continuation. <coughs> Damn it. Excuse me. A continuation of the NBA game we played at QCC last year. Same crew. Except Jerry stepped in because Mike was sick. And uh, then I ran my Streets of Avalon game, as I said, for Angela and company. It went over really well. I wasn't sure how long it would take. It was my iron shoes that I want to run at GameholeCon. So it was kind of a playtest dry run of that. And uh, everyone had a lot of fun. They had a blast, which was really cool because I was super uber worried <laughs> that I would completely tank. But it worked out great. And I got some really good pointers from the whole crew that played with me, the five folks, about um, – how to stretch it out, how to add some more components in it. They didn't want anything overall changed. They just wanted more, which made me feel really good. So that was kind of nice. We're going to ride down there next year. We're going to ride like Brevecta. <clears throat> See, if you come down with me, then then I'll definitely ride. I'll definitely ride if you come next year. Yeah, definitely, man. So, uh, next year, I've told my wife, I'm like taking a, I'm taking a journey, a ride, like further than 100 miles west. I'm going further than a week, than a weekend ride. And if it's going that's, to origins, let's just fucking go to origins and back. I mean, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's definitely the ticket. The only problem is that rain piece. You know, I was, <laughs> I was set to take the bike and I was looking at the or the weather report. And I was talking to Tom Flanagan who lives 
around that neck of the woods. He's like, dude, it's giving like 80% rain, horrible storms, terrible, brutal. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. So I'm like, all right, that's cool. I'll go to Wayne's place. He'll drive his car. gets better. I guess when my truck, we got the square. We get down. I get to Wayne's place. It's gorgeous. It's hot, but it's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah. It rained like not at all, basically, the whole time I was down there until it came back. It was like 80, 90 degrees. And uh, there was a huge, it was a huge pride parade. Uh, Gay Pride Parade was going on at the same time, which made for just this incredibly raucous, goofy, fun time, kind of in the back backdrop behind the Origins Convention, which was just a hoot. But um, I'd have to bring my it, it was, my wife's was, I'd have to bring my wife's rainbow boa. Hey, that would work. You would totally fit in. My assless chaps. Well, if they have asses on them, they're called pants. Sean, all chaps have no asses. Just so you know. My my assless pants. Yes, those are called champs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was a lot. It was a hey, lot of fun. Anything for the boys. The whole convention was fun, so <laughs> it was really great. Wow, god damn it! Yeah, so you missed a good time. I tried to. I bought a copy of Happy Salmon, which I believe won an Origins Award. Did it? But oh, I didn't. Oh yeah, it won an Origins Award, I believe. And uh, I was not able to wrangle a game going because by the time um, people were ready, like in between, they were running off to other stuff. So. Part of my resolution is if I can make it back to Origins next year, there will be Happy Salmon that has to be played. So, uh, If I'm there, it's like mandatory. Absolutely. It's the only reason I think I got away without having to do it. But now I have a travel, I have a travel salmon, so I'm feeling good about that. <laughs> travel salmon? Travel salmon. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, con, speaking of cons into the announcements bit, the gaming and uh, BS banner, if you want to run games under our banner at... Gamehole Con, of course. Submissions are indeed open, so get out there, do that. I've got a couple in already. Sean, do you have any games in yet? So I submitted one, Mr. Josh Hoyt, event coordinator of the Mighty Gamehole Con, personally emailed me to yell at me because Brett and I did not have any games submitted. And then a few minutes later, emailed me and said, never mind, or, correction, Brett has his games in, you do not. <laughs> so I submitted one game that I am running for sure, which is my forget about it um, from just your imagination. And then I will probably run a Tales from the Loop game, um, probably from the book. So if you're a Tales from the Loop person and you read some of the adventures in the back, then spoilers, you're probably signing up for one of them. But I figure I'd go with a one of those or I would make up my own, but I don't have time to submit it. I guess I could just submit whatever and then something, some grandiose yeah, idea and then make it up in like three, four months. Like your Star Wars game. Um. <laughs> something like that yeah, was effed up, man, last year. Yeah. So my plan is I have an Avalon game, Iron Shoes, and I also then plan to run uh, a Wraith game because Dave Beatty is coming. So I want to make sure I can run Wraith. So I've got that cooked up too. I got to reread my rules, make sure I'm up to par on that. Now, just to be absolutely upfront and honest, Sean, with you, I got to tell you this right now: there is a chance that I may not be able to stay for the entire game hole this year Whoa. because my oldest boy, his graduation from Air Force Basic, maybe that same weekend. Oh, seriously? Yes. Susan and I were looking at the schedule and we're like, "Wow!" So six weeks from here, depending on when they schedule graduation, I might be in Texas. And uh, since his biological father turned his back on him, there's no way in hell I'm going to do the same. So if if his graduation falls on the same weekend, that may scuttle some of my plans. But Susan and I are working to see what we can do to make some of it happen. Because we wanted to bring my two little kids, because the kids track, so they could get some gaming in that weekend too. So we'll see what happens. Maybe the maybe the military won't let me down and they'll ship him out early <laughs> or ship him out later. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Oh, if I know the military, they're going to fuck your world up. That's probably <laughs> my, uh, yeah. Wayne, Wayne, uh, Humphrey at X Air Force and I were talking about on the drive down and drive back. He's like, yeah, don't, don't plan. He said, if you make plans, just be prepared to be disappointed. <laughs> or, or you don't, you won't know until like a week or two beforehand, in which case you'll be like game hole con, game hole con shit. Yeah. So at this point, that is the only thing that can keep me from the con. So yeah. other than that, we should be good. Yeah, that's fine. I, I've i been there. So mom that and dad and at graduation is a big deal. So absolutely. All right. So yeah. Other, other, other announce two more announcement piece. One, my Blades and Dark books finally arrived. Oh, my, hey. Uh, my oh. Deep... oh, God bless it all. 
Oh, yeah, damn it. Come on. There we go. Freaking mic all over the place. <laughs> so my my deep seated rage for uh, the delays with the Kickstarter have been slightly slightly changed. The books are fucking gorgeous, and uh, they look pretty hefty. So I've got two of them. That makes me happy. And uh, the other one is I don't know if people have seen it, but VC Young made a took the gaming <laughs> BS logo and made a fantasy map out of it. I love it. It is awesome. The um, it's in the Google Plus community, and I, don't, I think we've got it out in the Facebook page, too. If not, we'll get it out and around places so people can see it. But he did an amazing job. Like, somewhere in the beard of Brett, there is, like, this the port city of Avalon. Somewhere in Sean's waist of a forehead or something, there is uh, all sorts of cool stuff. He We've got places named after uh, some listeners who he had talked to, and uh, it's just really, really cool. So, obviously, it took VC a lot of work and time to do this thing, so... Really awesome, man. Thank you very much, VC. Super appreciate it. It's yeah, really, really cool. Yeah, it is super cool. And I don't, I mean, I think I have, oh, shoot. You know, I don't remember. He he emailed me. Um, Like the actual, like a big file of it? Well, he emailed me to explain why, what he did and how he did it and why he did it the way he did it. Like he said, this is the reason I, and blah, 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 blah. And this is why I included this. And, uh, yeah. Oh, so it, I do have it actually. So he writes and I'm, I'm sure he won't mind me explaining this. So if you, well, we have a picture in our Google plus community. I haven't posted it at Facebook, which I will do. But if you look at it, he t- basically took our album cover of the podcast and turned it into a map. And so there's grassy plains and mountains and hills and forests. And it looks like kind of Brett and I, and then he, he's got the D 20 kind of ticked out a little bit. And then he put locations based on, you know, listeners and, and some of theirs. But anyways, what he said is, is that, um, I think as, as Seppi might, uh, let me see. Oh, as a fun note, I woke up today thinking about this, and as soon as I sat down and put my socks on, though, damn it, I was going to name one of the points of interest, talent jockey blanked on it. Anyways, as sappy as it might sound, I wanted to show you my appreciation and thanks in some way that was personal and meaningful to you. So I chose to start with the first thing I ever saw of you, your logo. From there, I made the map because of your ties to gaming. Uh, next, I added your fans. The others who support and cheer you on as you slave behind the mics for something you enjoy and as a reminder that there are others out there that enjoy what you do. The last bit was a personal touch. Not that using your face isn't personal enough, uh, some might say creepy, but I wanted to add more of who you are, hence the references of Avalon and Litterbox to the map. Um, So it was a labor of love and a gift to say thank you. And so um, he thanks us for not only doing the podcast, but... Um, treating us, treating fans with respect and, and honor and, and uh, not just trying to help others with advice, those who seek it in both games and personal life. Um, and so, yeah, he, he for showing the world, he wanted to thank us for what it means to really be a gamer and what a gaming ambassador should be. So, you know, that was his, because, you know, that's, I mean, he. I don't know how much time he spent on that thing. That could have t- taken him two three weeks, weeks. yeah, he, yeah he, it's it's incredibly flattering it really is I'm, I'm kind of it's almost like that embarrassed level of flattering that anybody took that much time to do something for us but it's it's really cool man it yeah. really is and i love it i love the hell out of yeah, it yeah very nice vc so thank you so much um i i'm speechless at like the th- the thought and everything that he put into it is just incredible to me yes it absolutely is yeah. it's really really cool all right, let's get into uh, di- uh, whatever we do next. Random encounter. Go ahead, Brett. Say it. Random encounter. Random encounter. That's where you have emails, voicemails, social media, smoke signals, all that stuff from listeners and so forth. <laughs> Sean, why don't you take the first one? What? Wow. Hey. Role reversal. <laughs> Chris. I, G- go- I was going to say, I had to give you a little break there because of all your technical problems. Oh, getting. So, anyway, it's just been a rough one. Chris Johnson from Google Plus, uh, she writes, what to do when your gaming group starts flaking out on you? 
I would normally pose a question like this to one of the Facebook gaming groups I'm in, but I don't want to feel anyone to feel I'm pointing fingers and some of our group members are in the same groups as uh, groups I am. Here's the situation. Online gaming group of six, consisting of a wide range of experience levels and ages. I'm the oldest at 50 and the youngest is 16. Like a lot of groups, scheduling is a challenge. For the past six weeks or more, it's been especially difficult. We have a private Facebook group where we talk scheduling, etc., but only two of us reliably communicate there, the others with varying degrees of responsiveness, including three of whom rarely even check in to read the messages, much less respond. We've had increasing instances of players being unavailable at the last minute. One is in the military, and that's therefore unavoidable. More often than not, just because they forgot they had other plans or better plans came along. In two extremely recent instances, the GM actually flaked out and not only didn't communicate there was a uh, scheduling conflict, but didn't tell us he couldn't play after all until we had already started the call and were past our start time. Does anyone have any suggestions for resolving these issues? How would you approach the GM when they are contributing uh, to the situation? Thanks for any tips you folks have. Wow. Um. Yeah, I tell you, if you have Been one thing to do, and this, and I don't know if this is if this is doable or not, Chris. So just take it for what it's worth. Is um, if you've got yourself and two other people, that's three folks. Duh, one plus two is three. If one of you can game master, one of you is <clears throat> should be more than welcome to step up, grab onto it, and start a new group. You can say, look, um, you can do the nice thing. Say, look, we're gonna take a break. We just we'll. Let us know when your stuff is rescheduled, but we're going to play. Or don't even have to tell them that you're going to play. I mean, it d- depends how, how you want to handle it. The individual in the military, um, <clears throat> see Sean in my earlier comment about my son's graduation from basic. Yeah, uh, you know, unavo- unavo- unavoidable. If that person is normally regular, that could be a potential fourth. Um, again, not knowing how all the math works off your team. <clears throat> but if that person could be an ad hoc add-in to any game, possibly. The, so my thought is, if you have a small group, and I don't know if that's something you'd like to do, but have three, maybe four people in a group as opposed to six, maybe that's the thing to do, is uh, kind of cut your losses and work with those people who are actually going to work with you. Sean and I have talked about this <clears throat> much earlier in our in our um, hundred and some odd episodes here about the need to communicate. And if the Game Master or anybody isn't up to the agreed-upon method, be it email text, um, Voxer, um, Google plus, whatever it is. If you're not paying attention, you're not doing it. It's maddening. I've had to drop the hammer on a couple of my guys every once in a while. Like, like, well, I didn't know when this was like, dude, I put you in the Google plus. That's where all the communication happens. Read the fucking thing. Um, honestly, I is my main suggestion, Sean, is that she just does, you know, Chris just basically, Let's the people down softly start a new group. Um, find either one of you take the game master reins, or find somebody who's non flaky. Yeah, it is. It is really tough um, because you want a game with those people. Typically, the the struggle is I want a game with those people, but they're not they're not on the same page. The expectations are not the same. the The preference of communication channels not the same. So you'll get some people that are like. Well, I only tune into email and I only, I don't have Google plus and I hate Google plus or I hate Facebook. And, um, they'll, they'll come up with a variety of reasons that they may or may not be able to go one route or the other. And it's disappointing to someone like Chris because of what she outlines, but man, you'd be surprised at how many people you could actually find that are of like mind, right? They want a game once a week on your schedule at the same time. They use the same communication platform or they're agreeing upon a particular unified platform. So for example, I had um, with Brett before he started in my game group online, I had my buddy, my buddy, Jeff, who I've known for over 40 years. I've known this guy. Man, you're old. 40 freaking years. So that tells you how old I am. I know, right? And I love that guy like a brother. But, you know, technology-wise, he just is – he had problems with Roll20. Uh, They would never respond – him and his wife. 
Kashi uh, games as well. And it's almost like a couple, right? So you get one, you get both. If you don't get one, you don't get either. And so that would be, you know, you'd, if one couldn't show up, you're down two people. And uh, I said, you, I, they've got to, you guys got to communicate on Google Plus. This is the platform of choice. This is kind of what I'm, and and I was a little more heavy handed than I probably needed to be, but that's what I chose. And it, they fizzled. Uh, they had other priorities and it happened and essentially it was a mutual parting, but it was a passive aggressive mutual parting because they just kind of disappeared. And I'm like, well, they're kind of done, you know, and that was it. And I just wrote them off. You know, I don't have any love loss against my buddy Jeff because uh, he's got other things going on and I totally get it. I can get, I could break him, break his balls, I guess, for lack of better words, because of the relationship I have with him, but. Something you just said there, Sean, I think is important. And the passive aggressive nature, I mean, <clears throat> we all hate that phrase. Oh, fuck that. So-and-so, she's passive aggressive or he's passive aggressive, that asshole or whatever. Um, it's hard sometimes to look at people and tell them directly the hard message, right? If anybody out there manages people, this is one of those things where you're not performing up to expectations, Brett. Um, we have to have a discussion about what the problem is, blah, blah, blah. It's not the same thing, but when you're talking to friends, it's almost worse. You've got to look this man or woman in the eye or an email or something and say, look, we want to play every Wednesday and um, you just you, you can't commit. We don't care. We're not mad. Let us know when you can commit every Wednesday or whatever your schedule is and we'll let you back in. But we need to make sure you're there because there's three of us who really want to play all the time. And um, <clears throat> we'll run a three-person game or a four-person game and you can do that. I mean, there's plenty of... RPGs, even D&D, you can scale hell with uh, some of the variations in D&D. You could be playing a, a two-person a two person party. <laughs> you get like a, a cleric and a fighter, and wow, you're, it's like the unstoppable duo practically, and there, or even a cleric and a thief. You got one person, spellcaster, meat shield, plus the skill person. Anyhow, that aside, you can run games with smaller groups, and I think sometimes that is a thing I used to get worried about. Like, oh, I don't have enough people. I need to have a large group. I need to have six, eight, nine guys or whatever it is. And you don't. You can actually play a smaller group, and that's okay. But getting past the passive-aggressive component of it and trying not to be that person or even not having to put up with other people being passive-aggressive towards you, saying, look, if you can't make it, you can't make it. We're going to start a different group. Thank you for playing. Let us know when you're available again regularly, and uh, we'll be happy to get you back in. Yeah, it's an online group, Chris. So I don't know how you guys and gals all kind of found each other um, and how that all worked out, right? There's a huge amount of probably some history, you know, however brief it was on how the group came to play. Like, well, we have this person and that person knew that person and they brought this person in. So, you know, being a player and the GM being the problem, well, that's, I mean, if the GM's not going to show up and they're going to drop that, you know, after you've started 30 minutes after your start date or start time and they're not, I mean, is it something one, I mean, first of all, you got to bring it to everybody's attention. Like, Hey, I set aside time. I'm serious about gaming. This is what we want to do. Is everybody on the same page or is there an issue? Cause maybe it is just a, a problem. Cause if the GM, the thing is, is if some people want to change and they're serious and they're like, okay, I gotcha. And they're not willing to do that or they say, yep, I'm with you. And then they don't do it. Then it's something that you're going to have to make a call on with just finding a different group to play in. Yeah, it's it's hard. And I don't know, Chris, if these people are all like friends of yours. I mean, you said, you know, the age difference between 50 and 16. I've had really good friends that are hell, they're as old as Sean or older, which is crazy. Um, (laughs) Oh, man. But again, without knowing some of those dynamics, I... It sounds cliche, but you may you might need to find another group and or at least trim your group down. And then until such time, you find people who aren't casual gamers. If you're serious about it and want to schedule it and you don't like, well, if I play, I play. If I don't, I don't. If those people need not apply, you might need to put your foot down. This is the thing there. When I went into I, I know we're kind of drawing this out, but one of the things somebody told me when I was in when I when I was in staffing that they had mentioned to me is that people are going to want to take your time. They're going to want to steal your time and steal is a harsh word because you're going to want to give time to certain people to, to get things accomplished, whatever in your job and your personal life, whatever. But the thing is, is that Chris, you are 
in your mind, setting yourself aside time to play and have fun. And what's happening is somebody is ruining that and taking time that you could be doing something else, experiencing something else, having fun with other folks, but you're, you're choosing to have fun with these, but they're not, they're not offering that. And it's kind of like going and signing up for like any type of event, like or, or league or whatever. Right. So if you play sports ball, you know, it's playing sports ball with people you like. And then all of a sudden you realize, well, these aren't the people I like because they maybe drink and I don't drink and they find, you know, sports ball, not as serious. And they're, you know, they like to, to party because it's a time for them to get out and that's not your thing. So you say, Hey, you know what? I'll finish the season, but once I'm done, I'm not going to join the same league again. So it all comes down to what you're willing to tolerate because I got a feeling you're kind of at your wits end and eventually you're going to just have to make a call on whether or not it's worth thinking you're going to set your time aside only to be let down. I have a buddy of mine. I love him to death. His name's Dustin and he would flake all the freaking time. And I'm like, I stopped inviting him to games. I'm like, dude, you never show up. You've always got a chair, but I'm never going to count on you being there. Period. End of discussion. I think the main thing is what you said there is be honest with yourself and what you want. If you're going to have, um, if you're seriously going to want to be the person who is a serious gamer and you're like, look, when I signed up to play this game, I signed up to play every Wednesday and that's what we're going to fucking do. Um, then yeah, you need to be honest with everybody else and say, look, I need to play every Wednesday because that's what I want to do. If you're not going to play or is Wednesday bad, is Tuesday better? Can everybody make Tuesdays? Then maybe shift the date. But your need or desire to be the serious regular gamer is not any less valuable than the other person who, who kind of doesn't care and shows up whenever they want. That's fine. You just have two different needs that don't match. So anyway, if other people have ideas or thoughts on this, I'm sure this, Chris, you're not alone. Other people, Sean, as, as he said, I I have to, I've had to ask people like, Hey dude, you know, you can't play. Well, I really like to play. You can't be there, man. There's no way I'm not going to have you join the group and then just flake off every you know, three, four sessions when a team only meets once a month. That's just not happening. But if other folks have ideas or thoughts around it, feel free to uh, to chime in because I'm sure there's other ideas that Sean and I haven't hit. So let us know what you're thinking. Uh, my last comment, Chris, I swear to God, it's my last comment. But one of the things that that is a little irksome and that is people try to tr- tread on the, you know, wanting to be polite and everything, but they are being absolutely rude and they are not they're not valuing your time when they do that crap which i hate to be very very blunt and terse but in the end they're not really giving a shit about anybody else because if they did they would be like oh shit i know i can't make it a week from now i'm going to email the group and let them know so everybody knows that they can plan accordingly And frankly, a lot of people appreciate that. Like the GM that misses, I bet you if they were like, I can't, you know, two months out, like I can't hit that date, that date or that date, all you guys would be fine. But that last minute bullshit after the fact, nah, that's not cool. No, especially when it's regular, when it's happening all the time, like you're saying, no, that's, that's damn near intentional. That's garbage. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. Let's do it. You reading the next one or you want me to read that one too? I am. I got it. I got it. So Carlin of the Hill People, Kendrick, commented on episode 144, PC Development. And on the topic of asking player development questions, I find it vitally important to do a sort of epilogue with the players after an important arc of a campaign. For example, Throndar, you and the party faced off against the Golden Dragon Anthrax, and despite your brave exterior, the dragon's fear caused you to run away uncontrollably. In the days to come, how do you come to grips with that, and how will it affect you going forward? Sure, the answer can always be the age-old, I drink heavily. But that is still the character development that can be used in the future when fear effects hit the player again or they see it affecting others. Most importantly, don't blindside your players with these character development questions during the game when they don't feel like it's the right time. Try to softball toss the idea to some of some development at them and see if it's something they're receptive to. And you know, Carlin, that's a damn good idea. Um, I, I think that... When you have that, even if you, again, the, from a blindside perspective, even if you don't want to softball it in like that, every once in a while you can say, look, we just had a big thing. I'm thinking about asking some, I'm going to ask you a question because I'm interested in helping you develop your character. And it sounds, to, to Sean's earlier point about, you know, quote unquote, stealing time or whatever, 
and you're saying, I am here to help you develop your character. I'm going to ask you this question to see what you have to say. And there's no right or wrong answer. I'm just curious, you know? And then when Eileen says, you know what? It really didn't affect her. She knows that fear is part of the game when you fight dragons. That's just the nature of it. No harm, no foul in my book. Okay, cool. It really, really didn't bother you. And if others would do it, it's not a thing you'd be concerned about. Okay, that's fine. Good to know. Um, it, it could be that simple. And then when they hear that and you ask the next person what they think, um, then maybe they'll chip in maybe or chime in or maybe they won't. And also, if you know that person in the group who likes to do that stuff, everybody likes a little spotlight, man. If they want to, if the person who answers it and you lean over and go, hey, Sean, what do you think? Well, geez, Eileen had a really good answer. Maybe, well, uh, yeah, it kind of made me drink heavily. And then, Ange, what do you think? Oh, maybe do this. Those are good things. So even if it's not a softball about small stuff, leading forward with the, I want to help you develop your character. Therefore, I'm going to ask you this question as part of an epilogue. Even being that direct and blunt could be a good idea, too. I really like the idea of the epilogue. That one really struck me well. So thank you, Carlin. Yeah, there's a few ways you can you can attack that. And I think what Brett mentions is uh, making it in a mutual thing and not forcing it upon it. One thing that players hate is when you force them, you're, you force something onto them from their perspective. This like, happened to you. You clearly must be affected. What, yeah. what, how did it affect you? You become an whoa, alcoholic, whoa, whoa. right? You yeah, become an alcoholic do or, you know, this. And so it can be, it's a mute. You got to kind of touch hand, you know, delicate on that on, and just make it a mutual understanding um, because then you're taking player agency away and then it defeats the point of them having control of their player character. And if you pay attention, I've had some players that like it when I do that. I don't know. Right. Tell me what happened. You're an alcoholic or you're a drug addict or now you're a psycho murder hobo. Okay. I can go with that. Or yeah. I don't have any ideas, Brett. What do you think? That's, that's a legit answer too. You can bat stuff back and forth. Um, but anyway, I like the idea of the epilogue It's kind of after a big thing. You take that break. If you're half my team, they go outside and have a smoke, and then they come back in and grab a beer and sit down and say, all right, this just happened. Let's wrap this. Let's talk about it. What would this have possibly affected people? And, uh, yeah, I like that. That's good stuff. As always, Carlin and Chris, our listeners are exceedingly awesome. You guys have always provided some great feedback and thoughts and ideas. So, men and women, keep it coming. It is really, really good stuff. Thank you. Yeah, let's get into the main topic. Hey, Brad, what are you talking about this week? Well, I want to talk about pre-gens and, uh, versus rolling your own. Oh, roll I your know. own. Well, I know roll that. Your own. I know yeah, about that. Yeah. Of course you do. Get you some zip zaps or whatever they're called. and Zigzags. Zigzags. Oh, my God. Could you, could you be any more square? <laughs> oh, my God. Zip, zip zaps. <laughs> zip zaps. Yeah. That, now, all the stoners out there, they're zip zaps. That's that's the new code word for rolling your own. Sean is such a – I am such a poser, dude. I just <laughs> love <laughs> – like, hey, man, are you hip? Yeah, yeah, dude, totally, man. If you want to whip out, like, zip zaps, man, and roll your own, that's cool. What the f- <laughs> Who the hell is this guy? Wow. And that's when Sean stopped getting invited, invited to college parties. <laughs> All right, moving on. So I just got back from Origins, and one of the things I was working on prior to Origins was some pre-gen characters from my Avalon game. And I was thinking about it, and I thought, man, maybe I should have them make their own characters. They're just 5e. It really doesn't take that long. Maybe they could do it. And I thought, wait a minute. I'm going to be running this one off book. Ange was kind enough to say, hey, I'd really like to play in a game with you. You know what? I should probably not make them make characters because we might have limited time. Don't know how when I can get this thing rolling. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah, yeah, I'll make characters. And then I remember other people talking about like, hey, we're going to I played in Phil Vecchione's um, uh, Hydro Hackers, powered by the apocalypse uh, engine behind it. So the playbook idea is we made our characters and we made them kind of on the spot. It wasn't all that hard. The Knights Black Agents game I played with Chris, he had pregens that they were pregens we'd use in QCC, but still they were pregens. And that game takes a little bit longer to build them. And I thought, you know, there's is there a big difference between a con game, a demo game, home game, and wanting to build them or not, and and so on. So anyway, Sean, uh, question to you is. Have you ever, when you do a con game, do you always provide pre-gens regardless of system? 
or if you have a certain type of system, you say, you know what? Powered by the Apocalypse, Dungeon World, I really want you to make your characters. Here's your playbook. It takes five seconds. Off you go. What do you think? So I'm going to get a bumper that just says, I'm just going to push it, and it's going to go, it depends, Brett. <laughs> I know it does. <laughs> That's why I figured I'd just leave it. I just, speaking of softballs, here we go. Yeah. Boonk. What tee, do you think about that one? Tee it up, brother. Um, exactly. I have- so, it, uh-huh. I was curious, does it depend does it depend on it being a convention or does it does it depend on it being a the, the system itself? It depends on the system itself. I don't I don't think it matters. Um convention, one shot, campaign. I think it comes down to the system for the most part. Con- so it goes I would say it goes by system first, then whether it's a campaign, con or one shot. And con okay. and one shot can be kind of one and the same. Because you could run a one shot that's not at a con. Um, so I, I would say I've never done a character generation at the table. Now, I know Stu Venerable, our buddy, our buddy that's tuning in from Happy Jack's RPG podcast. Oh, God. I know. He said he's RPG <laughs> podcast royalty, man. Shit! If I'd have known he was listening, I'd have started. I just started. I, we could have been on our game earlier. I, I man. know him and Jib and uh, you know Stork and fuck yeah, all Kimmy right, and anyway. all. Anyways, sure. but they mentioned uh, when they ran Mongoose Traveler, okay, that the people they ran it at a con and they did character generation at the table loved it, and it was awesome, and that they wouldn't run that game. You know, I mean, you could run it without character generation at the table, but they actually would encourage it because you can kind of bounce off whose relationship is to a player character, blah, 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 blah. And it's not that long. So one it has to be short, like the time it takes. Correct. Right. So powered by the apocalypse, dungeon world doesn't take long to create a character. No, PBTA games are quick. I mean, it's the cool thing that I... Realize from that is just what you were talking about um, is that when – so when I did make my pregens for the 5e game, 5e has, you know, um, basically a flaws, a bond, an ideal, and that type of thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I gave them some stuff that would kind of make them hook together in that space. When we started, I'm like, how are you related in this neighborhood? This is a something about you. And we had a verbal background build as opposed to a character build. If you will. like not like a die rolling, pick your stats time. We had somebody who was a fighter, a rogue, had a bard, um, and, and a wizard. So, fighter, rogue, bard, wizard. Yeah. So, fighter, rogue, bard, wizard. There was somebody else. Fighter. Oh. Anyway, point being, the team sat down, and what we did was we built back end of the character, like how and why they're talking to each other, and why they're connected, versus everybody being, um, you know, rolling all the dice. If you will, and picking stats and classes and all that stuff. So I think that component of it for a con or a demo game is pretty damn handy because there's a level of investment that you gain out of that, right? <clears throat> and if you use the PBTA concept, I am bonded to you. Tell me about a time when your character saved this other person's life or I'm indebted to this person because of X. That's pretty handy. Have you ever – so I'll, <laughs> I got I to gotta throw this one out there. I remember – Dave, Dave and Corey Wynn and I at the uh, Gary Con, not this last March, but the one before, we were talking about a game they had gotten into. Those nutty guys. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. Crazy, anyway. crazy kids. So we're talk- talking. <laughs> from, I'm now like, hey, on, everybody, from now on, everybody's kids to me, since you called <laughs> me old, you dick. <laughs> All right, well, let's just get, get, get out some zip zaps. Roll your own, you'll be fine. <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> Give me some, get rid of them zip zaps, you pothead. <laughs> nice. Uh, anyway, they're going to play, um, I, th- I can't remember if it was, I think it was, uh, Corey. No, I think it was Dave. Anyway, regardless, one of the wind brothers tells me I'm going to play this astonishing swordsman sorcerer's hyperborea game. And I'm like, you know what? I heard a lot about it. This is before I bought it. I'm like, how'd it go? And they said, well, let me, let's not talk about that. Let me tell you about the system. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, well, that sounds really good. How'd the game go? Well, um, the DM wanted us to roll characters. And I said, really? And he's like, yeah. He had one player's handbook, and there's like eight, nine different character classes, different variations of human, and nobody other than me had ever played the game or setting before. 
So everybody had tons and tons of questions because it was newbies to the setting and blah, blah, blah. And he only had one book to kind of pass around to people. And he pretty much just wanted to use the time to finish prepping his adventure while we were fucking about making characters. And he's like, thank God I brought my book. So I had one of my own. I could whip my character up and then you know, basically help everybody wrap it up. And I'm like, oh, my God, you know, build characters at the table horror story type of thing, right? So for God's sakes, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> if nothing else. Well, I think the big thing too. So, why would you why would you want to have roll your own you know, bring your zip zaps to the con? Yeah, or, it's <laughs> why would you roll your own at a con and when would you not want to? Mm-hmm. Um No, it it makes sense. I mean, there's like you say there's certain game systems it does seem to fit better for than others, but um I, some games it just doesn't. If you want to sit down and, and play GURPS, um, going through the whole book or whatever, probably not a good idea. Now, that sounds all like, oh, duh. However, what I'm saying is I've seen it done, and I've heard about it being done by people I trust. So, therefore, I know that people have done stupid things. Um, the other way, though, that it's really helpful, in my opinion, is for a DCC game. Those characters are actually pretty fast to generate. You could generate a character pretty quick. But if you're going to run a funnel for DCC, pre-generated funnel characters are usually the way to go. Uh, it's just a lot easier to make a mess of them all once you go to, like, Purple Sorcerer, um, because those guys are awesome. Go to their website, build up a bunch of zero levels, and you're ready to roll. So what that leads me to, and the other thing that got me thinking about this was my home game, we started with, uh, I wanted, I'm running a DCC campaign. We started with a zero-level funnel. And they all said, are you bringing pre-gens? I said, yeah, I can do that. I'll bring a, a stack of them. So I went to Purple Sorcerer, had a stack of pre-gens, and that's what they did. I have never, in a campaign in my home group, ever started them out with pre-gen characters before. Um, have you ever done that, Sean? Have you ever had pre-gens for a home campaign? I know. I don't think I've ever had pre-gens for a home campaign. Because I think it kind of defeats the purpose um, of what – I think it would defeat the purpose of what you were trying to accomplish in a home game. Okay. No, I agree. But you, you yeah. haven't – what do you think, though, from what I did for the funnel? Oh, f- well, funnel uh, – so funnel would Good. be – because it was a funnel le- yeah. that's leading into a DCC campaign. It was all pre-gen characters. I've never uh, done it before. Um, I've had people where I have I've um, built pre-gens for like a small quasi-con game with a group. Like it's hey, we're gonna do a one-shot, and I'll make I'll make for my home group. I'll build some pre-gens for them. Um, but I've never run a campaign until of starting with one shots until I started with DCC. And I was just curious as to what you what you thought about that. So DCC would 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 be one of those games where I could see. I mean, it's kind of the deal, right? Pre gen zero level, yeah. you you make up eight of them to survive. They go on to be your main characters. Uh, totally get it. I, and I would I and even I haven't run a DCC quote unquote campaign before so yes of course that would be one of the exceptions that i would say warrants pre-gens now one of the things about like i mentioned about pre-gens and you alluded to with the win brothers brothers win as i will refer to them brothers win brother brothers win uh it's kind of a double entendre um the winning brothers of win ah there we go i love it there we go the winning brothers of win is that it may just take too goddamn long. If you like Dungeon World, you do it as part of the setup is because they've already got your ability scores rolled. You just assign them. Where in some OSR games, you're running, oh, there's a method. It's 3d6, take the best, or 4d6, take the best three. And then you got to assign them to the different abilities. And then it depends on what class you're playing. Yep. Where in Dungeon World, you grab you know, fighter, you pick race. It tells you if you pick this race, you get a plus this or plus that. And then you have your abilities, you assign them. So a lot of this stuff is already kind of in the box. You, I mean, it's literally an option. Like it's about as close to a video game kind of, uh, I don't know if that's a good an- analogy, but 
a, there's predetermined options you can pick from and it's yep. limited so you can do them quicker. I'll tell you though, the thing I found and I, I kind of, the, my experience with reading dungeon world and then playing it the one time with Sneezak and then, uh, playing a little bit with, with Phil again, one of the things that's kind of codified in my head more is the, I started doing this with my session zeros is having that session zero type of conversation, even with your pre-gen characters, um, <coughs> excuse me, that concept of how are you, how are you connected? How's your character act? Having a list in this, this takes directly off of the questions to the character to help them develop. But having a list of questions to ask each of them, you know, kind of like, hey, what does she look like? One of the problems I've had when I have played pre-gens before is when I get a pre-gen from somebody and there's like, you know, two paragraphs of background or a very detailed description that I can't, that I really can't modify because I feel like I'm stuck with something. Having a pre-gen character that has some wiggle room, right? Where I feel I did really well with this with my with my Avalon game where I looked at the engine and said, okay, this is you. Um, who do you, when you wake, what's the first thing your character would do in the morning? Does she go down to the market? Yeah, she goes to the market. She talks to uh, somebody who sells sticky buns. Okay, who is that? Give give me a name. Good, we write the name down. You know, and then when Rose's character, Sarge, Sarge, what did she do? Oh, yeah, Sarge does this. Great. And you just take those pieces and asking some of those round questions there just got everybody immediately into they're all pointed questions like you're in a neighborhood it's going to take place around um uh it's going to take place around this this market and the people specifically that you deal with every day so what that did was it helped them give me some info i could bounce off of to make them want to be involved in it i knew what i needed to do to get the story going but asking those specific questions of them saying hey who do you talk to who do you care about that helped me tune things a little bit more. So that way, if I were to run, what well, not if, but when I run the same adventure, a game hole, provided I'm not at a Air Force graduation, <clears throat> when I run at a game hole, what I'll have is ask the same type of questions. I may very well get different answers, right? They don't care about the street apothecary. They may care more about the, the person who sells sweet meats, as simple as that is. They may not want to give a shit about being a wizard who is a uh, quasi legal guide or legalist provides legal assistance to people they may want to be some other type of of wizard so i think it's um i think asking those types of questions even with pregens is really important i went around totally around the circle and stayed in my case like 18 times there but that's what i think really worked well in the avalon game i just ran so i think it's something that if you're not doing it i think it's worth giving a shot with pregens yeah yeah. So, so you've never started a campaign with pre-gens. I'm wondering if other people have, and if they have what the, how it's gone. I mean, I hate to say, oh, obviously DCC people do that all the time because everybody starts with pre-gen funnels. I have seen Tim DeShane and other folks online saying, hey, we're making our funnel characters where they make them by them. You know, they each, they roll them all up and they, they go through that. So they've got some buy-in there. But uh, I think it's, I think it's an interesting question because I wonder sometimes if for a campaign, <clears throat> if I were to come and say, hey, I want to start a campaign in, um, uh, let's just, well, let's uh, gumshoe. I'm going to play a Trail of Cthulhu game and uh, here's some pregens for you. We've got a couple of good investigators. We're going to start with these. I know they fit the setting and know they work really well. Um, there's six of you. I got seven to choose from. Let's go. I wonder how that would fly in a home campaign. I've not done it yet. Like I said, I live in the ECC, but I'm wondering if it'd be worth a shot just to see um, what my players make of them. You know, again, being able to ask them some of the same pointed questions as I would do in a convention, ask the players so they don't feel like they're just handed something that they can't modify or fuck around with. Because I think, and um, I don't know if you've experienced this, Sean, when you are given a pre-gen PC and you're not allowed to adjust them in any way. Well, I'd like it to be, uh, I don't really don't want to play a man. Can I play a female character? When well, you're not allowed to make any adjustments, I don't want to have red hair. I'd like to have blue hair or just something as innocuous as that. When you have a game master, when he or she is like, no, they must look at, and talk and act exactly a certain way. That can be a little railroady, at least feeling like you've got no, got no, like you don't have any agency. Have you ever encountered that one, Sean, at conventions where you're kind of stuck? 
Yeah, you get some people that are playing the wrong character. They'll get into like you know, call it Cthulhu, and they want to play a basher person, but they get stuck playing the Professor Egghead um, role, and but they they try to force the they try to force the the basher into the egghead and it's it's they don't they're not role playing the right way in my opinion they just they're picking the wrong character and playing the wrong archetype um and i don't know what that yeah so yeah in that respect yeah i just i think it's it's interesting because after running power of the apocalypse oh not running you see playing in one and making the characters and then having other game, other campaigns, you know, or I shouldn't say other campaigns, other couple of the con games where we made our characters because it was pretty simple to do, um, given the system we had. I'm like, oh, this isn't all that bad. I, I think there's some there's some power to it if the system allows you to because you get to customize and, and do all that cool stuff. But uh, yeah, anyway, it's not not a real heavy topic for the week, man. But it's just something I was noodling on because I don't know if it's. I seem to be in your camp. I think that I think that you're right, more or less. With uh, it depends on the system mostly, um, but I'm wondering what other people think because do people like doing it, going to conventions and making characters, or do they prefer to pick through a pile and um, and have them? And then also, when it comes to the pile itself, if you have a bunch of pregens, I have a tendency to if I have a five player game, I make six pregens, so that way it can. Um, people do have an option they would work with all all six doesn't matter would work but this way there is at least the feeling that there's more choice do you when you make pre-gens for like forget about it or anything like that do you make exactly five because you got five players or do you make an extra no i always it's that one's a little interesting because it's always it's a it's a canned scenario and it all um it's a canned scenario and so everything's kind of done. Uh, it's it's all in a box. So you print all the characters, the scenario, everything's kind of done for you and given to you. And so it's like I think I think it's a five player game, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so it, I would, I think I put, and it's weird because that that scenario itself plays off of the different characters. So literally there's ties to each one. So one okay. person is one person's girlfriend is another one's daughter. And she came home to dad's house bruised up. Right? So if you're what if one person's missing? Then one of those links is broken. So you might alienate another player character in that particular scenario one shot block. that makes sense yeah that makes sense hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. well i'll tell you what man I, i'd like to hear what uh what some listeners think about it because i when i was at the con i asked a few people just like what, do you like pre no i really like them i mean angela told me some of the characters she made for her bubble gumshoe game they were really cool and having pre-gen she had like you know Really cool looking characters that had pictures of all the NPCs, of the other not NPCs, had pictures of the major player characters. The character had a, had a beautiful little picture, and then like their relationships to other characters were all, you know, little um, cameo headshots of each of the other player characters and so forth. And some of those gorgeous uh, pretends are really nice to kind of set the mood and the tone. The type of coloring you use, the type of art you use. <laughs> excuse me all that stuff really helps to um really helps to set the mood sometimes i think too so that that can be pretty handy yeah yes okay okay well man i, th- I think we got it shall we move on yeah let's get into die roll die roll some things we want to bring to your attention uh, as far as gaming or any type of incentives uh, or incentives, God damn it, inspiration. <laughs> so, somebody's been hiring. Somebody's been hiring people lately. Oh, what's our incentive package look like over there, Sean? That's right. Uh, so so uh, first, I was I was going to say, you want me to start off? Yeah, go ahead, man. 
First one I got is um, Top Secret New World Order Kickstarter is coming. Um, hopefully, <laughs> excuse me, it'll be live pretty damn soon. I don't have a link for the Kickstarter yet because I checked as of today and it's not live. But go out to Kickstarter, look for it. It's going to be by TSR uh, Games and uh, Top Secret New World Order. It is coming. Merle Rasmussen, friend of the show. I'm going to say that because Merle doesn't listen to us and that way he won't contradict us. Anyway, <laughs> I, the other one is I, I uh, teased this on uh, Twitter. I mentioned this when I when, Vampire Fifth Edition. I had a chance to grab Ken Height in the hall at Origins. I said, Ken, um, for you know, shoot the breeze with him a little bit because he was at Evercon last year. How's it going? Blah blah blah. I said, I got a question for you about Vampire, and he said, What's that? And I said, at, In Knights Black Agents, Ken, you have a little blurb that basically says, and I'll paraphrase, you never want to see anybody make a vampire a good guy ever again. How the heck do you? Um, how are you, um, you know, justifying that with what you're doing with Vampire Fifth Edition? Basically, because when I read the statement in NBA, I'm like, Ken is saying he doesn't want to see them be player characters anymore in a storyline. It's just a bad idea. They should always be monsters. And Ken said, "All right, Brad, hold on. Just because you're a protagonist doesn't mean you're a good guy. The questions of morality, the questions of why have I not walked into the sun yet because I'm a horrible monster." Um, how am I dealing with those morality questions? Those things, he said, I want to make sure are thick within the game book. I'm like, okay, Ken, I buy that. That makes more sense. Because um, <laughs> he said, you know, you can, you, he said, I can't stop you from running the game in any way you want, which, uh, duh. Um, but, it, you know, you can, you can make blood-sucking, you know, super-powered villains if that's what you really want them to be. However he's looking to do morality questions, making sure that stuff is more front and center than it was in the original mechanics. And uh, again, just because you're a protagonist doesn't necessarily mean you're a good guy. So it was a great answer. And I just thought I would share that with our listeners. You're over to you, sir. So curse of strat is coming to roll 20. So if you are a big fan of roll 20 and some pre uh, published uh, modules, uh, adventures like curse of strat, much like Storm King's Thunder and the um, Lost Mine of Fandelver, then you'll want to want to check out Curse of Strahd coming to Roll Twenty. Uh, in addition to Roll Twenty, Curse of Strahd, Roll Twenty Con is coming June twenty fourth and twenty fifth. This is going to be dropping on the twentieth, so you're only going to have four days from when this drops to plan and sign up and run anything for Roll20Con. But nonetheless, we thought we'd put it out there. Probably mark a calendar for next year. And the last one, Broadsword, a game of legendary heroes and epic adventure. Kickstarter is coming. There's been an announcement on Google+. Plus. We have some people that have done some very, um, you know, they've provided some good feedback, like Joe Swick has been involved in, having ideas bounced off of him and providing feedback. And so we have some people in our community that has contributed to some of the, um, some of how broadsword may be coming, uh, broadsword may be presented to you. So check that out. Kickstarter is coming. It has not launched. They do have a Kickstarter holder in place, but we'll put the announcement on Google plus, which I think is public so that everybody can see it. Uh, and want to check out. So, yeah. Now, yeah. Uh, as we do every show, Game Hole Con, we talked about it at the beginning of the hour, how Sean has been slacking and getting his events submitted. It's a gaming convention in Madison, Wisconsin, the first weekend of. If you can get here, by all means. Hell, who knows? Brett might not even be able to make it, and I may need a co-pilot. So if you're willing to to help out and uh but you should show up first. So the the mission for you is to show up at Gamehole Con. You're muted, Brett. And so you're like, oh, shit. first weekend in November. Sorry, first weekend in, in November. Yes, that's right. Uh so get your ass there, play some games, run some games, true dungeon, guess of honor. It's gonna be mass crazy. Free beer on Saturday night. Might last only a half hour, who knows? It's about what it lasted last time, you bunch of lushes, you. Yeah, you sats. <laughs> um, and let's see, what else? I mean, it's just, it's going to be a fantastic time. Uh, looking forward to some good people showing up from all parts of the country. 
um, close personal friends of ours like you. We hope to see you there. Um, want to also thank you. So that's game hole con. So get your ass there. Moving on. I want to thanks, uh, thank soul cather 78 for the review on iTunes. Thank you so much for doing that. Um, I cannot hit a button. <laughs> iTunes helps us, you know, it, it, I think the reviews piece definitely helps people read it and understand it and, and know a little bit more about what we do. It doesn't help us in the rankings. Rankings are helped, uh, help us when you get people to subscribe to us. But nonetheless, the reviews definitely helps people look at it and say, oh, they've got 30 reviews. I'm going to read some of them and see what they're about. And then maybe I'll subscribe. So thanks for Soul Cather doing that. Brett, what are we doing next week? Well, we had a we had a listener a while back ask us, I shouldn't say a while back, about an episode ago, ask us about tactical combat. Kind of got his ass handed to him by his players. And I thought we'd talk about some tips and tricks around tactical combat and how to deal with it. So uh, that's up next for next week. That's going to be awesome. Of course it will. Well, all right. That's been another episode of Gaming and Bus. <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. This episode of Gaming and BS brought to you with the help from the following patrons. Christian Sexy Voice Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rodemacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony Benedetti, Derek Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Tim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Jason Blaylock, Remy Billado, Jason Hobbs Hobbs, Wayne Humphleet, James Carpio, Not Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnston, Eric Tankar, Brandon Barnes, Mark Tasaka, Tim Shorts, Dan Lavalley, C.W. Mellencamp, Craig Huber, Eli Kurtz, Lost Sailor, Graham Miner, Todd McGowan, Roger Braslett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Ray Otis, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Michael Parker, Jim Fitzpatrick, Michael Drescher with Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Evan Harrison Cass, Chris Steele, Eric Hoffman, Jared Rasher, and Stefan Dragonspawn. For the cost of a coffee shop coffee, you could support the show for an entire month. Consider heading over to GamingNBS.com forward slash Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N. Thank you, patrons. Thank you, listeners. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.